tonight is a special night for us because it's the first uh, Thursday of the month, which means that it's a night that's given to music and prayer. And we know that there's much more than uh, much more to worship than music. It has to do with everything we do unto the Lord. And so that's why we call it Music and Prayer Night. And as we come together this evening, we're reminded that Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer, a house of prayer for the nations. And so it's fitting that we have one night a month, at least one night a month, and for now it's the first Thursday of the month that is given to really a prayer emphasis. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're not going to just talk about prayer, but we're going to actually pray together at length this evening. As I say that, I encourage you even now, if you would like to begin the process of of, uh, typing in a prayer request that you have um, on our chat feature on Zoom, uh, that would be helpful to us. And so we have later in our gathering, we're going to have a time where we are going to pray through uh, these requests that come in. And so even now, as I share just for a few minutes from the Word to help guide us in our prayer tonight, I encourage you to go ahead and start sharing a prayer request that you would like for us to pray with you about. Our guiding verse tonight comes from 2 Chronicles 7.14. A little backstory to give this verse context. Solomon was the third king of Israel, and he built a magnificent temple for the Lord as a house of worship, a temple for the very presence of Jehovah, Yahweh. And he built this um, really as something that was in the heart of his father, David. It's the temple David wanted to build, but David accomplished much. He was a warrior. He was in battle a lot, and and the Lord chose not David, but Solomon, his son, David's son, to build the temple. And there's a great ceremony, a dedication ceremony that we see uh, in the Old Testament and specifically in Second Chronicles. And as this dedication service is, is going on, there's a, a very meaningful prayer, a long prayer that Solomon prays. It's really worth you looking at, and I would encourage you to, to take some time and to read through that prayer. It's, it's one of the most amazing prayers that, that is recorded in Scripture. In this prayer, what Solomon does is he lays out several possible scenarios. If your people, if the Israelites, God, if they do this or that, which each one of those was when they turn their back against the Lord, when they reject the Lord in a certain way, if they repent, If they turn from that and come back to you, will you forgive them? Will you help them? Will you hear our prayers? Will you hear us from heaven? Each one of those scenarios are painted and, and, uh, again, very descript. And it's not until that evening that the Lord returns to Solomon and the Lord responds. 
to this, uh, this prayer that Solomon has prayed. Which brings us to our text tonight, because the text tonight is actually the Lord's response to the dedication prayer of the temple. I'd like to start reading at verse 13 of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now in this passage, there is the mention of droughts, crops that are devoured by locusts and plagues. In our life today, we are dealing with, the world is dealing with a virus pandemic. Our current circumstances are such that there are growing statistics every day. You may be a little weary of checking the statistics, but I believe because of the depth of the need in our world today, and because of us coming to the Lord tonight as a dependent, needy people, I feel and I felt preparing for tonight that it would be the right thing to do to actually give the latest statistics to help us in our heart as we pray tonight. These are sobering statistics. As of 3 o'clock this afternoon, May 7th, there's approaching 3.8 million cases of COVID-19 globally. There have been over 265,000 deaths in the world. In terms of U.S. cases, 1.26 million. In terms of U.S. deaths, 75,000, rounding it off. In terms of Massachusetts cases, 70,000 cases. And then deaths in the Commonwealth, over 4,000 so far. Millions of people tonight are grieving over the loss of a loved one. Millions of people are still really, really sick. And we can ask, where is God? Where is God? Let's go back to Second Chronicles 7, and let's look at those scenarios that are presented by Solomon and responded to by the Lord. And you can say, where is God in the Old Testament? Where is God? Because the whole point of the dedication prayer and the Lord's response has to do with judgment that's brought on the people because of their sin. There's the droughts, pestilence, plagues as a result of sin and the judgment of God being enacted. I think it's important to know that this is a different era in history. This season in the life of Israel Jewish people, King Solomon, all through, well, through most of the Old Testament, 
It's called the dispensation of the law. The dispensation of the law. If you would break a command in this dispensation, it would be quite expected that you could be judged that very day. Let me give you an example. There's a recording in the Old Testament. There's an account of a man who on the Sabbath, which was commanded to be a day of rest, a man went out and cut firewood for his family. He broke the Sabbath law. He was judged that day, and he lost his life. Now, drastic. I'm glad that we do not live in the dispensation of the law. In fact, that dispensation, I believe, in God's eyes, caused there to be the move of God having a different plan, a different way to deal with humanity, which leads us to the coming of Christ. Christ comes. He lives. He dies on the cross for our sins, for the sins of the world. He pays that price for us, that price that we gave thanks for as we took communion tonight and ushered in a new dispensation. It's called the dispensation of grace. In the dispensation of grace, there is no immediate judgment for sin in this life. There are consequences for sin, certainly. But in terms of the judgment of God, it's delayed judgment. There will be a time that every human will stand in the presence of God and that is the day of judgment. There are casualties for living in a fallen, broken world. It has to do with living in a world that was impacted so greatly by sin and evil and unrighteousness. So how does this all inform us about how we pray tonight? How does it inform us about things like tsunamis and earthquakes and uh, forest fires that ravage like in California and pandemics? Well, I want to tell you tonight that COVID-19 is not the judgment of God on the earth. We still live in this dispensation of grace. Yet, it is allowed by God, and that is the question I have no answer to tonight. What do we do in this life when we have no answers? I, what I found that is helpful for me to do is to rest upon what I do know. I do know that we live in the dispensation of grace. I also know that we live in a fallen world that's susceptible to things like viruses. Yet, I also know that there are the attributes of God that are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is caring. Our God is gracious. Our God is compassionate. Our God is a perfect, loving Father. Our God is all-powerful. So though our context is different than Solomon's, the source of help is the same. 
even though the dispensations are different. Thank God we did not live in the dispensation of the law. We are in the dispensation of grace. But God's qualities are the same. And so it leads us to this verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14. What's presented here is a binary proposition. It's if you do this, then God will do this. And this is going to shape our prayers tonight in just a few, very few moments. First, the onus that's on us, the responsibility that is on us. This verse starts, if. God's help is conditional. Most promises in Scripture are preceded by the word if. If my people, and this is how the prayer starts, this condition. So we have to, that gets my attention, because I, I want the tail end of this verse. I want to see God's help. So if my people who are called by my name, what does this tell us? tells us in a time of crisis that it's the people of God, you and I, followers of Jesus Christ, that bear the responsibility to come before God and to plead the cause of humanity. It's on us. It's on us. If my people who are called by my name will do what? what? So what are we supposed to do as the people of God? We are to humble ourselves. What is humility? Well, I think we know what that is. Andrew Murray put it this way in the spiritual context. Humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. The displacement of self to the enthronement of God. Prayer is the deepest expression of our dependence on God. The prideful to say we have no need of God, will not pray. The apathetic about life, they may or may not pray, but there won't be a sense of urgency to it. But the humble will pray earnestly, expressing their soul dependence upon God. And this says, to, to humble themselves will pray and seek my face. To pray simply means to inquire of the Lord. There is an example in the Old Testament uh, that informs us of uh, a false inquiry, if you will. Instead of taking his problems to God, King Saul, the very first king of Israel, this is the king before David, King Saul inquired of a medium, a fortune teller, if you will, instead of God. Big mistake. And because living under the dispensation of the law, he was soon taken out of his kingship. To inquire the Lord is simply to come and to take our problems to the Lord, to seek the face of God first and foremost. So you can see why there's a linkage between humility and and seeking God. It has to do all to do with dependence. Who do we depend upon? At the end of the day, actually at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, who do we depend upon? And then the Lord goes on, will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know, now it gets personal. It's one thing to be dependent on the Lord and to pray, but now 
So, oh, we, we have to examine our lives. The, the people of God have to examine their community. God is willing to help us, but only if we align ourselves with the ways of God. It's called repentance. Forgiveness is, is different than repentance. To forgive means if you want someone's if you want someone to forgive you or if you if you want to express regret, you can say, I'm really sorry for what I did. But repentance is I am really sorry for what I did, and because of the depth of my sorrow, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to turn and go do a 180 and go a different direction because I am deeply sorrowful for how I have missed the mark, for how I have offended a holy God. And so this is what's required of the people of God, to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek the face of God, and to turn from our wicked ways, to examine our lives. Now, when we do this, we can fully expect God to come through in a variety of ways. And I believe this prayer matters for the world tonight. I believe it matters for the city of Boston, for Massachusetts, and for the U.S. This remnant, this, this number of people, that however many we have with us tonight, that we can come to terms with this, and we can examine our lives, and we can say, God, we need your help. We need your help. So the second part of this, what's the responsibility of God? What's the promise of God? What's his commitment? It is to hear us, to forgive us, and to heal our land. Then I, the Lord, will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Practical application here tonight is this. Our ultimate hope is not in government leaders. We are to pray for those in authority over us. It says on two occasions in the New Testament. We're to pray for our president. We're to pray for our governor. We're to pray for our mayor. The words that come out of our mouth about those in authority over us should be words of prayer. But our hope is not in them. Our hope ultimately is not in civic leaders. Our hope is not in the medical community, though we thank God for them. And we are so deeply appreciative of everyone in the medical community. And we pray for protection for them. We pray for strength for them. We pray that God will help them. Our ultimate hope is not in the science community, although, again, we thank God for them. We thank God for every effort that's going into remedies, vaccines, and testing, all of that. We thank God for them. But our hope rests ultimately in our God, in our God, in a compassionate, loving, gracious, and powerful God. 